Welcome to Sonic Talk number 280, of all things. It seems like some sort of uh, portentous number. Can't think of any reason that it... Well, I can't think of what it actually means, but hey, what the hell. Wednesday, 22nd of August. Sorry, I'm a bit flustered. I've just had my streaming um, hardware go down on me. Um, that sounds really d- dirty, doesn't it? I mean, it's broken, is what I actually mean to say. Uh, and it's... <laughs> So I'm, not, I'm afraid there won't be an, a YouTube version of this because I can't record a video unless um, somebody in the chat room who's gone past so quickly, uh, um, I think, uh, said he might be able to record it and send it to me. So that might happen. But I want to say thank you anyway to my guests for hanging in there. We are running a bit late, but um, we'll go to uh, a full screen mode. I want to say hi to everybody there. That's uh, on the left there. We'll start with, uh, let's start on the right because Rich is looking bright eyed and bushy tailed. So Rich Hilton. Over there in uh, sunny Connecticut, uh, where, well, I don't know, it looks, it could be sunny. There's light streaming in the window. It may be artificial or it may be right. Rich Hilton, of course, is a fully paid up member of the Chic Disco Band, where he's been uh, travelling, jet-setting all over over Europe and the world this summer as the keyboard player and also uh, works in the studio with Noel Rogers, where he mans the controls of the private facility that uh, is home of the hits. How are you there, Rich? Good, thank you. Very good. Made any hits this week? Um, no, no hits this week. How does one tell, I suppose? That's, uh, you, sh- you could always just say yes, because you never know, do you, really? Unless you haven't made any music at all, in which case, then, how could you? He can tell. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> I I've don't se- know, but he can tell. I've seen, Niall's been out and about all over the place. I've seen, I've heard him on the radio over here. He's got a book out, right? Yeah. Yeah, sounds yeah. very interesting. I didn't realise, actually, that Nile Rogers. Um, this, this was a very interesting story that you probably uh, know inside out, but um, when um, after the sort of big disco stuff, they signed to do a production deal with Diana Ross with the record company, and this is how he told, I picked it up from him telling this on, the, on Radio 4, um, and they wrote, I'm coming out, and there was another track as well, and the record company would not release it because they were sort of scaredy pants about the disco um, uh, you know, the, the, there was a problem with disco, wasn't there, where people were burning records and it was all getting a bit anti-disco. And um, Niall and the production team sued the record company to force them to release it. And, and th- those both those tracks were Diana Ross's biggest ever record. <laughs> I just, I think that's just an awesome bit of uh, inside information. I'd love to know more about that. But so, yeah, the book sounds like it's going to be very interesting. I think I'm going to get it. Uh, and oops, there you are. I, I'm going to get it, in fact. Anyway, Rich, thank you for joining us. Um, and I will now go to the uh, languid Mark Tinley there, who's uh, reclining. We can see your video quality is back on. Uh, you've got a very shiny brass bedstead there. I have, yeah. Has your video device gone down on you? <laughs> <laughs> rather no, looks like it. Rather looks no, like I've it, been, to be honest. I've been, trying to, like, keep up. <laughs> I've been trying to keep up with you know the, this technology loop and i've got this friend who uh called emily who's suddenly announced that she's going to start a community and she's getting into permaculture and a whole load of other stuff and she said i need to get rid of everything i need to get rid of my phone and my computer and everything and i said is it a macbook pro and she said yes and i said okay i'll have it <laughs> so i've acquired a macbook pro i've saved it from a life of permaculture and uh community i guess and I've, in, I've installed Snow Leopard and everything on it, and uh, it's gone mental. It just won't connect to Skype. It just sits there with a spinning rainbow. But thank you, Rich, because Rich has explained what to do to get it back. So oh, she'll do that later. But I'm back on GNS PC. So maybe next week. Oh, isn't that terrible? When you do it purely out of an act of kindness... And the technology is just, just, you know, just is against you. I feel the same way too. I mean, although this is the last show for uh, a week because uh, I'm going to go on holiday um, on Friday and uh, I'm just going to leave it all behind and see what happens. Anyway, Mark, likebeing.com, uh, creative thinker and sound designer, thank you for joining us. And I'll go over to uh, Dave Spears, who's looking rather preoccupied there. No, that's not Dave Spears. This is, however, Dave Spears. Looking Hello. rather preoccupied there, Dave. I was, yeah. I'm trying to do a support question. Ah, there's nothing like, well, you know, I I realise my introductions can be rather rambling and tedious, and there's no reason why you shouldn't do. I mean, you weren't on screen, so you could do whatever you like. Have a haircut, 
even which I've had. You've had a haircut. Was yeah, that happening? <laughs> yeah. I've read the Nile book, which I told Rich all about. Rich gets a little credit in there, doesn't he, when it says coming to America, which I thought was cool. But it's honestly, it's one of the best biogs, music biogs I've ever read. I had absolutely no idea his upbringing was as colourful as it was. It's sad, yeah, I'm going to, I think, I'm, I, I don't know, I'm going to wait for it to come out in audio book, because... Uh, I, I, I bought I, it for three people already. Oh, really? Because it's like virtually every music, well, as I know, three musicians, obviously, I, and every <laughs> one of them whose birthday it's been, I've just been like, here, have this book, and I gave it to Dale, and he said, I know exactly what this is, and I've already bought it. Ah, uh, really? <laughs> it's called Le Freak, by the way, that's, uh, which seems apt. Yes. So anyway, anyway, Dave Spears, G4 Software, makers of fine software instruments and uh, Reason rack extensions, amongst other things. Um, thanks for joining us. Right, I suppose I should um, probably get on and um, do some show stuff because I've been getting flack in the comments about my my uh, rambling introductions, at least from one person. But I don't care about him. I'm just going to carry on rambling. Uh, right, uh, let's have a look. Uh, what's first? Uh, I think I better switch to the show notes because then, ah, uh, oh, yeah, this is cool. It's got to be one of the best promo videos I've ever seen <laughs> for a piece of software. So retro. play all of it just because um, they'll give me a break from using my mouth. <laughs> I think that's it. That was the uh, Sonic Charge Permutate uh, which I happen to think uh, looks pretty interesting. It's it's a very bizarre thing. It's kind of this idea of it is the fact that it's a, a 12-bit delay with ridiculously high clock that allows you to do all sorts of mangling and kind of old-school sample-style uh, stuff together with uh, what they also have this rather good um, bit of... Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They also have this rather good... Uh, Filtering and distortion. I, uh, those of you who know, uh, maybe seen any of my demos, I, I tend to put stuff together using Sonic Charge, which is one of my favourite soft synths because it's so weird and just sounds lovely. But this looks very interesting. I mean, what a great video. Dave, are you feeling jealous as a software developer? Do you want your videos to look like that? That was great, wasn't it? What a great video introduction to the uh, to it all. Yeah, very cool. Very cool. Like it. Like these guys. Like what they do. And might get it i did get it what does it do exactly well (laughs) this is a very good question i think what it does is it just takes basically it's got 192k of memory and it samples and re and clocks and uh sort of i think you can do that stuff where you you can granulate and reorder the segments and that sort of thing i'm i'm really clutching at straws because i don't honestly know but it sounds kind of cool it sounds like a kind of very high speed high clock frequency 12 bit it's a 12 well here this is what it says at its core it's a 12 bit digital delay with variable sample rate from naught to 352 kilohertz it's controlled the delay is controlled by a programmable process that allows you to change and modulate uh, the delay with various operators, the input and output, offers virtual analog component for saturation, limiting and filtering. The sound of the permutate is raw and complex, but noisy and warm at the same time. There you go. Okay. Got that? See, yeah. In a way, the video should have said that, shouldn't it? It's not so sexy as the video that we've got, though. But yeah, I think... Yeah, no, 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 I understand that. But here's my only real real whinge and my only real um, nod to being a curmudgeon this week, I think, (laughs) is that I'm really, really busy. So when somebody's trying to sell me something, it'd be really handy if they go, it's this. And then I can go, oh, yeah, that's exactly what I wanted, instead of going, so what exactly does it do? And how long have I got to find out exactly what it does? And will it be useful? 
Uh, Koshtakai in the chat room says, Nick, you, you can mess with the audio buffer reading algorithm. So I'm guessing you can uh, reorder stuff and what have you. Mark, this sounds like it could be up your street, or am I making a massive assumption? Uh, you're making a massive assumption, Nick, but it's a correct one. <laughs> <laughs> Hooray! Let me just try and get I mean, you a bit more info. There we go. I looked at it and I thought, what can it do that I can't do already? And it wasn't clear to me what it could do that I can't do already. For example, the idea that you can vary the sample weight rate from naught to 384K, was it? Yeah. Uh, and you can just literally go to any sample rate in between rather than having to rely on one times or two times or four times your sample rate mm-hmm. isn't really new at all. They're sort of saying that's a new thing, but I'm sure that Hyperprism used to be able to do that, and I'm sure I've got some other plugins that do everything that this does, actually. So I couldn't, I didn't hear it doing anything that I... And, and the text blurb of it was sort of heralding it as something very new, And it just sounded a lot like lots of other things I've got. Maybe it can do all of the things that several I need several other plugins for. I mean, there's a plugin suite called MDA, isn't there? Have you seen those? They're quite good. Um, Um, I've heard of them actually. And uh, Otto Biscuit uh, says Rapscallion in the chat room and uh, Stutter Edit to a certain extent. That's a kind of broader. So there's a few things going on. And then I thought, I've never heard of Sonic Charge before, and I had a look at some of the other things they do, and that synthesizer that you can plant seeds and then it grows plants and then it kind of basically grows your sound for you and then you go and tweak your sort of more uh, common world parameters afterwards. That looked interesting. And then I saw something on their website called BitSpeak, which basically converts spoken word into the kind of sound that you would have got out of a speak and spell. So I bought it immediately. Because <laughs> I thought, that looks exactly the kind... I mean, that looks like it that really crunchy kind of speak and spell bit uh, bit crushing or sound. Yeah, it's all the rage. A lot of people use it for kind of vocal yeah, that's stuff. Kind of, that's what I want. So I bought that. I haven't actually... I've loaded it onto my machine, but my machine... <laughs> Is it working? <laughs> earlier on. So I want to try that speak and spell thing on drums and on guitars and things because I right. think that might actually be slightly more interesting. Might be wrong. There's some very interesting stuff. Um, there's a demo. Uh, what's it here? I think I've got it. It's a, like a uh, if I scroll down, might be able to see. Oops, might be able to see it here. It's there, and there's a uh, a player which I think I can load a few sounds. I think it's nearly there. The only the only one I liked out of that was C. Oh my lord. Nine, I think. Right at the end. Yeah, most of the interesting stuff there is really for me is in the saturation and the distortion. There's some very interesting other stuff. Oh no, Rich. You're I not... like the glit I like the glitchy things. The glitchy stuff. And I like it when it does yeah, like that something of, musical. There was a Frank Zappa effect uh, called Optometric Abandon, which was on Joe's Garage. It reminds me a little bit of that, which is like really highly modulated delays. Rich, I'm guessing that probably in Nile Rogers Productions is not necessarily going to uh, benefit from some permutate, all that. All that oh, soon. I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that. I would agree with pretty much everything both Dave and Mark said uh, and don't have a lot to add to that. But what I will say is I noticed lately that there are a lot of little bit-crushing fuzz boxes being released by a lot of different companies. Yeah. And this is yet another bit-crushing fuzz box, um, as is also that interesting speak-and-spell device. And, uh, you know, everybody's got one now, you know, uh, these days. There's... Everybody's got a proliferation of these uh, emulate. Some of them are emulative, like, you know, and it's like an old Shure vocal master with the, you know, gain tank turned up to 10. And some of it is not emulative and it's just pure, uh, you know, it's just its own thing, kind of like this one. But um, there just does seem lately in software to be a proliferation of these bit bit crushing fuzz boxes. Everybody needs a bit crushing, fu- a bit crushing fuzz box. Is it? It's going to be a. Uh, uh, then the pr- the problem with them is that they take up so much space. If you put them on too many things, it just turns into a big, massive mess, doesn't it? A fuzz box, yeah, a bit, yeah. a bit crushed mess. 
I suppose so. Uh, I mean, that's 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 very very true. Yeah, but it could become an integral thing in your groove. You could use it as part of something. You know what I mean? You could use it as a lo-fi component to a high fire thing. Yeah. Another another thing you can use it for, and I did this on the some of the sounds I made in Isotope Iris because that's got a distortion, bit crushing kind of section to it. Is if you tweak it very carefully, you can actually use it to excite a sound, so to add some high frequency element to a sound to make it brighter without having to turn the whole thing into a complete distorted thing. In other words, you can use it like an oral exciter. Ah, okay. So you can use the extra. F- I see. Interesting. Thank you, Mark. Anyway, that's, um, that's the permutate. Uh, is, let's have a look. I think it's $66 plus VAT. I don't know if that's it, but there's a three-week there's a three-week trial that you can download, fully functioning. So I mean, you can get your head around it, and you can certainly see whether or not it, um, it it's going to work in your life and do stuff for you. So very generous terms there, I must say. Um, right, what have we got next? Let's have a look. Um, ah, yeah. Well, this is this is a kind of another example of marketing gone mad. <laughs> Let's see whether or not anybody agrees with me. This is just cracking. This the, the anyway. I'm going to play it. If you want to start creating pro beats quickly and easily without shelling out thousands or undergoing a huge learning curve, then you've got to check this out. We've cracked the code on how to make top shelf beats on the fly with just your PC or Mac. You'll be able to create unique bangers that'll rival Dr. Dre, Timbaland, Scott Storch, and all the greats who use professional studios. All for the price of a fancy dinner for two at your favorite joint. Best part? It doesn't matter if you've never created a beat in your life. You'll be able to quickly and easily create beats like the pros in minutes that'll make your buddies green with envy. It doesn't matter what you're into, house, hip-hop, dubstep, jungle, R&B, trance, or techno. It just this goes on and on, and you never get to hear it. Help you unlock your hidden talent that's just dying to come out. Imagine how it'll feel being able to copy that new beat you just heard in the club, on the radio, or on TV. Or to be able to instantly knock out a new beat once you get the inspiration. Believe. I'm going to stop that now. Uh, this is hilarious, actually. I mean, it's an incredibly um, sort of over-structured uh, marketing um, tool, uh, marketing. Uh, Dr. Drum, digital beat making software. It may be quite good, but unfortunately, you never get to hear it. It's twenty nine ninety five. Uh, it can you can make killer beats on any uh, any PC or Mac. Uh, it's a software bit. Not needed. Studio. There's just some brilliant. Don't get taken in by lesser beat making software. There's this fantastic comparison chart here, which I've just got to show you. It's hilarious. Um, let me see. Comparison. Yes. Usage. Easy to use. Other software. Very complicated. Export option. Stereo. Wav. Exports to MP3. Other software. <laughs> it's just kind of these massive generalizations. Professional mastered sound. No. No poorly produced sub it's just absolutely brilliant dave i think possibly you could take a you could take a leaf out of the marketing for this this and maybe apply this kind of approach to your next piece of software wow sorry what do you think this is dr drum was i awake yeah i know sure how brilliant is that i want to do the same kind of thing but with a really very very british accent and go how about putting together some banging beats gentlemen Go, fellow, one time. It's it would just be brilliant. brilliant How about it? a synthesizer that actually sounds quite good, old chap? I think that <laughs> I, it's not. I kept waiting for it to have, like, so where is this? Where's the sound? And it never came, did it? It, it just it's never brilliant. came. It's really, and what I really like is there's a there's a brilliant thing here in the web page which. Uh, well, I did I did go and seek out some um, other demos of it because I was like, what is this? Is it real? But it is, is real. What's great, I think you can download it, um, and but it's only twenty nine ninety five while stocks last, which is uh, quite an intriguing concept when it comes to downloads. But uh, I could be wrong there. Or do you have to have it sent to you? I know, it's brilliant. I actually think, I mean, it's, incre- it's very crass, a very crass piece of marketing, loads of amazing claims in there. Uh, obviously, you know, it's just, it, it, I, I just kind of, I, I, think it's, um, I think it's sort of funny. Is it funny or is it sad? Mark, what do you think? Or do we care? I say, should we have a go at making some drums? What? You know? Um, have you ever been on ClickBank? Do you know what ClickBank is? No. It's kind of affiliate marketing I'm just thing. looking at that. It's a ClickBank click. I'm just clicking on it. So uh, ClickBank is an affiliate marketing thing, and they have all sorts of products in there. And I think the general idea is that pyramid marketing is illegal, 
So if I sell you a PDF file of how to groom your dog for forty nine ninety nine, and then I offer you an affiliate, ah, help. an affiliate scheme. Without shelling out thousands Stop. or undergoing a huge oh, learning. Sorry about that. She's just been so insistent. So if I, you know, I offer it to you as an affiliate. You charge, you get $25, I get $25, and we build like a nice pyramid and everybody kind of wins, apart from the person at the bottom of the pyramid. Now, if you look, and I... I tried ClickBank because I tried a bit of affiliate marketing on my website and it kind of doesn't really work because they keep your money forever even if you do manage to sell some things for them and unless you've sold five different major credit cards, etc., etc., they just won't release your funds. So I never got any money, unfortunately. But what I did notice on ClickBank is there's loads and loads of different kind of guitar player and drum machine programs there's loads of digital audio workstation style softwares on there all claiming to be better than any of the others and i'm just starting to wonder if this is maybe an affiliate marketing page that somebody's put together to sell something that's you know intrinsically worthless i mean it's 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 a tv advertising campaign isn't it it's kind of it's that kind of concept I mean, it may be quite, you know, maybe quite fun and quite good. It's just that some of the claims are a little bit bold, I would say. But uh, that's why that's why I'm thinking maybe, it, you know, you think it's just somebody else has just put it together and go, I'll have twenty five percent of that or whatever it is. I don't know. It's kind of fun. I, I, it wasn't intended. It's not intended to be a kind of uh, uh, a look at these idiots. It's more a question of you know that's such a. It's so. It's, I'm just trying to think of anything else that you can sell in that way. You know, what it's being sold like it's uh, free time money, share. you know, or uh, timeshare, or uh, you know, what's the other thing? Insurance or health insurance claims or something like that. Do you know what I mean? Well, I, lo- I love the concept of while stocks last because yeah. that's just bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> it is. I think you can actually get a download, Rich. You're looking incredulous there. Have I made some well, statements? To me, it's being sold like those, you know, rubber brushes that they're selling you on TV or whatever. Like, you know, any kind of the magic, um, the magic sponge. Yeah, or any of the yeah, the eraser. Yeah, the uh, <laughs> or uh, it's it's interesting to me that they're marketing music software that way, and sort of like it has this interesting social component to it that I can hardly describe. But part of it's funny, and part of it's horrifying to me. But I can understand it fully, and I wouldn't be surprised if it worked. I'm sure it's working because it really caught my attention. I imagine that, you know, you can just be, yeah, I want to, of course I want to sound like the pros. No, of course I haven't got a studio. All I need is this piece of software. Jesus, 30 bucks has got to be worth a try. My son has always right. wanted to be in a pop band. Maybe we could, you know, it's just absolutely root one every time. You know, it's quite, yeah, it's like wrong code. All they're or, asking for is 30 bucks. Yeah. And if they've sufficiently intimidated you into believing that your friends will love you if you can create beats with this thing, then you will part with 30 bucks to get your friends to love you. And better still, they will laugh at you if you play them MP3s. Yes, that's that's right. That's That's hilarious. My friends thought I was joking when I told them I was laying down better beats than full-time DJs until they heard my tracks. Now they know the truth. (laughs) I think someone just needs to, I think someone needs to sample it. I mean, that's basically what this is for. What I've I've just realized is I hadn't really looked at the page properly. And right in the middle of the page, it says your order is secure and fully guaranteed by ClickBank. So Uh, it's, isn't it? Look at this. This is good. Your clubs are going to start begging you to DJ and the ladies will fall at your feet. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right, I'm going to get me some of that. Spotted, right. <laughs> well spotted. Wow. Let's. Oh, there's some. Let me see. I've just got to see that there, there, there are some more things here. It looks... No, I have two. You know, there's two things. One, how many of the people who look at that ad are going to part with the thirty bucks? Because I think thirty bucks. It's an interesting threshold on TV. They usually go twenty bucks in this country with the threshold, and then they offer you two at the end. You know, whatever it was they've been trying to sell you and throwing things in at the end, they go, and we'll give you twice as many of them now for your 20 bucks. 30 bucks is a slightly higher threshold, but in software, it's actually not a very high threshold at all. And for somebody online to drop twenty nine ninety nine on uh, becoming, you know, their friends. That's just brilliant. Thing. There's more. Look, hold on. I know Dr. Drum will make you rock the house because it worked for me. <laughs> It's Shall like I, a sort of cream, isn't it? Yeah. And it also, it got rid of this un- un- unsightly and embarrassing nasal hair that I've been suffering from too. And it stopped my dog weeing on the carpet. Yeah. There's, a, there's a really odd anomaly about the whole thing, though. So if you scroll to the bottom of the page, right, they do offer an affiliate link 
for you. So if you scroll right the way to the bottom, there's a link that says affiliates. Right, okay. If you click on that link, it says welcome affiliates. Earn over $108 per sale. Now, how can that be? Because if they're <laughs> selling it for $29.99, how can the affiliate earn $108? That just doesn't make any sense. That's a very good question. I think there should probably be some sort of Senate-based inquiry into this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not quite as horrified as you are about it, Nick. What, what's I'm not horrified. I just think it's funny. I mean, it presupposes a culture of young people who would be easily taken in for their 30 bucks by this, by the notion that they're going to become popular by making beats rather than picking up a guitar or a set of sticks. That's what interests me socially about the thing. But yeah. you know, marketing-wise, they've just taken the techniques they use to sell you stuff on TV and brought it well, to... Well, there's the very crass end of it, isn't it, I suppose? Uh, what's the other thing here? There's some more claims, which I'm... Oh, yeah, here we go. Update, Wednesday, 22nd of August. That's right now. Good grief. Because Dr. Drum is in such high demand, our video hosting and support staff costs continue to rise. As a result, we're constantly reviewing the cost. What this means is if you don't buy it today, <laughs> you might have to pay more. Excellent. That's just next week, next week, if we go and have a look at it in a couple of days' time, it'll say, as advertised on Sonic State. That, well, yes. yeah, well I, I, I should probably disclose date. now that I'm applying for my affiliate link now. Yeah. <laughs> and that date is probably like one of those plugins that just puts today's date in. I doubt anybody um, I'm absolutely certain of it, frankly. <laughs> it's brilliant. That, that showed up on Synthtopia as well. It's just, it's just a great piece of kind of... Uh, I mean, it's funny, isn't the it? Because in some respects... No, but in some respects, if you look back to... Um, there was Beatfang, which came out uh, in, in very prototype form like several NAMs ago, and the sort of claims they were making for that were much, much, much less kind of uh, um, sort of wild than this. And they got loads and loads of flack for kind of trying to be all, um, you know, the way that they were approaching it. Whereas this is just basically ignoring any kind of, uh, any kind of, any, any sort of credibility and just going straight for it. But, um, yeah. Oh, what, uh, anyway. I'm, I, I suppose that's, uh, it was just a little bit of an aside, not particularly tech. It's got a very slight music tech kind of, angle to it but if you really want to know where it is drdrum.com that's drdrum.com and uh, you can remember you've got to buy it now because it could be more expensive because they're selling out so fast they're making less money I'm not quite sure how that works could you guys just wait for half an hour so I can set up my own affiliate link to that as well? You know, <laughs> yeah, so put if it you in there. Really want to buy it? I can make you know, the, the fifteen bucks or whatever. No, the hundred and eight dollars I'm going to make. Excellent. That, yeah, you can. Well, actually, I'll tell you what. Why don't you buy? It? I'll buy it through you. And yeah. then we'll both get a copy for free, and then we can split the uh, forty dollars that we make on top of it. Excellent. That sounds like a plan. That's just. Oh yeah, Christ. That's just. It's a license to print money. <laughs> anyway right what's next um so I want no part of this by the way are you on no part oh god it's that late <laughs> i suppose i ought to do the ad it's that time here it comes he's scamming uh yeah the ad this is not for dr drum this is in fact for um yamaha apps a world of apps indeed there's a whole ton. There's more. There's over 20 applications available in uh, the music category from Yamaha. They're taking the world of apps seriously. They're doing a lot of good work on it, actually. I've, we reviewed a couple of the apps from there, Setlist and the uh, Synth Drum Arp app, to name but two. Setlist Organizer, really enjoy. There's also uh, Multi-Editor Essential, where you can, or Voice Edit, where you can edit, control effects, EQ, cut-off resonance, envelope, filter and portamento, uh, XY Power for real-time control of performance parameters, for Motif XF, Mox, S90X, S70X, XS, and Rack XS. Uh, then there's the Effects Edit Pro, uh, uh, Edit and Control, Performance Edit, where you can control a number of other parameters. There's actually a whole ton of them. You've got Mute Cloud, Recorder. I think one of my favourites is uh, the Synth and Drum Up. And uh, here comes the Setlist Organizer, which I think is great. It sends MIDI control, uh, sorry, MIDI program changes, bank changes to up to five devices for sections in song, so you can control all your other MIDI gear. Uh, record and Share, Cloud Audio Recorder. Just a whole ton of different applications. And it's a really useful way, particularly with some of the smaller, the smaller display stuff that you can access some, some of the parameter control 
with an iPad that you already have. UK.com, UK.yamaha.com is where you need to go uh, to check out the world of apps. Sorry, I, I, I usually get my timing perfect, but I was a couple of seconds out there. But I want to say thanks to very much to Yamaha for the continued sponsor of the show. If you've got an iPad, iOS device, do check out some of their apps. They've got some great ones. Okay. Right. Uh, what's... Ah, yeah, here we go. This is um, Mr... Uh, Apex Twin. This was uh, Apex Twin um, was asked to do present a piece uh, for the beginning of the um, European Culture Congress in Poland. This was last year, Centennial Hall, Roklaj, Poland, and he worked with a weird core who designed an interface, which you can see there. That he was running. This is quite funny, actually. So that these, all of these um, coloured bars are for conducting the audio orchestra the various different sections so they get quieter there there we go and then they are quiet and they're getting a bit louder and the various cues and what have you it's great he's doing it on this really crummy kind of uh, mini controller but it looks like an astonishing performance i'm not entirely sure i'd love to i should try and find out more about the mechanics of it um, I do know that there were uh, 74 pairs of headphones, 36 small monitors and 6 plasma screens, all split into 7 different feeds. Uh, it, it, two weeks, took, uh, it took Weirdcore to put together the interface using Max MSP, Jitter and Max for live audio with uh, input from a chap called Andrew Benson who recommended the best way to achieve what they needed. Uh, it's... It's pretty simple. Each part of the orchestra was colour-coded and instructions-wise and lighting-wise, which meant the volume instructions connecting to the lighting system so that the louder they play, the more light they light up, etc. So um, it just looked like kind of a really interesting concept. I mean, I'd love to know more. I don't know whether he composed the piece or whether there was a random element to it. But, um, I mean, Apex Twin is a bit of an enigma when it comes to that kind of stuff. Mark, are you a a fan of his? Did this sort of... uh, Did this give you any uh, pause for, hmm, I'd like to see something along those lines? Um, yes, I'm a fan of his, and I thought that that just sounded horrible. <laughs> it just sounded like absolute rubbish. If you put, a, if you gave me a, a massive orchestra like that, I would it's just like you just don't want them to be playing one kind of slightly warbling and wailing note. Find some way of giving them more note information or breaking breaking it up into some sort of rhythm. It just sounded like you know, like. I don't know. It just sounded like the scary bit of a movie had kind of got stuck somehow. <laughs> it was just all like, like all those quiet. singers, the power of that. They had an orchestra as well. Like to take yeah. the, the power of an orchestra. Twenty-six, p- a forty-eight-piece string section and twenty-four-piece choir. Yeah, yeah, I mean, why not do something with the dynamics and then break it up rhythmically so you can really sense the dynamics, like doing something. Uh, to be <laughs> fair, to be fair, I'm in in the defence. There is actually a much longer version. That was a shorter edit that I got. I watched the longer version. Oh, did you? Well. <laughs> okay. I thought, I thought this is just rubbish, and I thought, okay, so and and I kind of got from the the shorter version, like you know, this was the rehearsal in the morning, and everything may have kind of gone wrong. I thought, okay, so it didn't go so well, and maybe ironed the problems out by, you know, by the time the performance came around. So I watched the long version as well, and then I got to the point where I started skipping through it thinking like, well, surely something, you know, must have happened. It's just the same all the way through. And then they, you know, this rapturous applause at the end. It's like, what? <laughs> I mean, really, what? Why? I, I, I would tend to agree. I mean, I thought it was an interesting, uh, well, I mean, he is, you know, he is... Brilliant concept, but it needs work. <laughs> yeah, I think you might be right there. It's Interestingly enough, I went to see something on Friday in Bristol, um, which was uh, called Mail post and trains i think it was called and it was uh, an installation in one of the big sheds at bristol temple meads and they had uh, a few bands playing along to various sort of video works but they also had uh, adrian utley who's the porter's head guy and his guitar orchestra 20 guitarists some drums uh, will from Goldfrap was playing some saxophone over the beginning they had this amazing gauze screen that was a projection over it and it was the same kind of thing and the thing that i find with a lot of these sort of conceptual music ideas is they tend to be musically very simple to achieve because there's so much that can go wrong and they don't get all that much time to rehearse like you would if you were doing like, uh, you know, Shostakovich or, you know, an orchestral piece. So often you get this sort of wafty sort of sense of atmosphere and it's got very little theme. The one on that I must say, the one that I saw on Friday was not like that. It was incredibly powerful and had some beautiful moments. But this just did seem like an awful waste of uh, resources uh, 
in terms I mean, of I, music. I, I would hate to criticise anything, really, and I think that people's artistic expression is you know, always valid, but if I actually think I could do it better. <laughs> and I think where, and I think where they've got stuck is that it is that he's trying to do it too much in real time. And if he could think, if he could think, if he could split his mind and think in two ways about it, in other words, if he could do the performance a second ahead of the orchestra, it would buy him enough time to send them a score. So you could actually be, creating a score a second or oh, so Oh, I see. Ahead. Yeah, no, that's interesting. And then listening to what the outcome was a second later. I mean, you could do it rhythmically. You well, I think the idea was that he was controlling something. them remotely. What I like the idea yeah, of. I thought, I thought maybe he was back at his place. <laughs> I thought he was just sending it all over via the internet, you know, and he wasn't even there. But uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't know whether that, that wasn't the case, I don't think. but uh, Or maybe it wasn't. I know, Rich, well, you, you know. Think you, about it. We've got, we've got, you know, we've got latency compensation in our in our software so we you could utilize that in some way to to sort of i mean we all play keyboard parts into well i don't know maybe you don't but i play keyboard parts into my computer and sometimes there's such a huge latency on there i just have to think in a different way so that i can play it in the right place that's all he has to do is to have a big enough gap between his performance and the orchestra's performance He's still in control of it, but there's some kind of buffer there to allow yeah. for more expression. There could have been a bit more creativity in the way that it was set up, so it could have been a bit more musically relevant, I think, is probably... Yeah, uh, yeah. exactly. I know, oh, Rich, did, um, you know, what would you do with an orchestra of that size? Write some music for it. <laughs> to be performed, with or without multicolored volume fader simulations going on behind them. Yeah, it did, it did seem like a slightly wasted opportunity. I mean, it may... I'm sure... Be, but the thing is, I'm sure being there and in the presence of so many musicians all making such noise, I mean, it's still going to be an impressive thing. That's probably why they're clapping, because it was it was still... It still had a sort of, you know... Uh, it just doesn't necessarily come across in uh, well, video. The problem with collective improvisation in terms... There's a problem when you get into numbers larger than so many people. The same way as either a pizza or a bagel begins to break down when you add too many ingredients to it. Okay. Once you get past a certain number of musicians spontaneously improvising together at the same time, it all turns to brown. It all turns to brown paint at some point. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and when you take the utter absence of rhythm and throw that in... <laughs> And There's the no space, was there? Lack of consideration of any other musical parameter other than volume in each individual color-coded section of the group, um, which doesn't really address a very uh, broad spectrum of the available creative possibilities. There's, sorry, I have to just come in here. Um, I think uh, Fail Muso in the chat room said... Uh, Maybe Mr. Aphex Twin needs a copy of Dr. Drum. <laughs> that as a concept is, is, is fantastic. That's a brilliant, brilliant suggestion, um, Rob. Thank you very much for that. Absolutely yeah. awesome. Maybe they could make some claims about, uh, you know, you, you, you don't need an orchestra. You could just do it with uh, Dr. Drum. I don't know. That's kind of funny. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right, though, Rich. It did feel like a wasted opportunity. I know, um, Dave... Have you sorted your technical support? Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, I've got nothing really to add on this. I think it's it, like when you're at these events, things are slightly different to how they are when you look at them on video. So I kind of thought, what would I do with an orchestra and all that kind of stuff? And then I thought, well, maybe it's probably not any better than uh, what Mr. Aphex Twin would do. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't, uh, nothing really to add. Well, uh, if you are interested, and it's the sort of thing that you would like to see live, um, there is Mr. Aphex Twin, uh, a.k.a. Richard James, will be controlling a 28-piece string section and a 12-strong choir by remote control. So these uh, obviously his budget's cut at the Barbican on the 10th of October this year, uh, if you're interested. Um, the concert is also set to include... Uh, well, uh, James's take on Steve Reich's Pendulum Music entitled Interactive Tuned Feedback Pendulum Array. Sounds like he's having a laugh, really. But, I mean, it, it's probably quite a good fun. Um, so, yeah, if you want to, I'm sure you can get tickets for that. So uh, go ahead if that's the sort of thing that you would want to do. 
Um, Howling Terror in the chat room. If it looks crap on video, it probably is crap. <laughs> well, it's possible. Uh, it's possible. Right. Um, uh, I'm getting my windows messed up. Um, Mini Control Orchestra. Uh, what do we want to look at? We could. Uh, was it another studio? That's um, the church studio. I think this would be quite an interesting one, actually, because I'd quite like to. Uh, or do we want to talk about wireless audio and uh, that stuff? Well, actually, I have to go. Ah, okay. Um, you have to I go have now. To, yeah, I have to go now. So uh, I enjoyed myself and it was wonderful, but unfortunately, uh, I have a commitment today, so I got to split. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much, Rich. Um, very much for joining us, Rich Hilton, Hiltonius.com. Off to make some hits, no doubt. A commitment with uh, with the charts. A prior no. commitment with Billboard no, magazine. No, there's no limo today and there's no charts. But oh, anyway, I never mind. Anyway, Rich, thanks for joining us. I very much All appreciated. Right. Cheers, mate. Cheers. Thank right. you. Right, and then the screen is going to change to some configuration that is, uh, I don't know what it's going to be yet. We'll see. There it goes. Let's see if that's, so I can go back here. Let's see what will happen if I switch. Yeah, look, I can do all of that stuff. Right, guys, um, what do you want to do? Do you want to do wireless audio or do you want to do another Studio Bites the Dust? Uh, studio, I can't probably. What the wireless audio thing was. All right, we'll do another Studio Bites the Dust, which is, has a little introduction here. This is uh, uh, the only video I could find, actually. This is Herb Alpert getting all jazzy on your ass. This drummer looks very, very short. But anyway, this is the film at the church studios, which looks amazing. Really does look amazing. I'm talking over it because I don't want to get nailed by YouTube for copyright um, business. But the reason I'm playing this is... Oh, I have a little bit of toot. Sort of a bit Miles Davisy, that wasn't it, Herb Alpert? Yeah. Um, right. Uh, uh, let me find the web page because this is kind of sad, really. What this was, um, the church, which was this was uh, from uh, Dave Robinson's mag, uh, Pro Sound News Europe, uh, Church Studios, which is there's a picture of it there, which it looks like a fantastic building. It was originally uh, run as a studio, and it used to be run uh, by or owned by Dave Stewart and Annie Lennox. Uh, Eurythmics completed their album Sweet Dreams. Uh, and uh, then David Gray bought it for him, from him. Uh, and it looks like um, he, they've applied to turn the church studios into five flats with shops and office spaces, which just seems kind of sad. I don't know, Dave, have you been to the church? Do, have you ever been there? Yeah, a long, long time ago. Sort of uh, early 90s, I think. Oh, it was amazing. You know, lovely, lovely studio, really nice. Uh, interest in neck of the woods uh yeah i didn't know anything about this and i didn't know that david gray had bought it uh he I bought it in uh 2003 apparently wow wow in fact i didn't actually know it was still going i kind of thought you know maybe it had been turned into a sort of private facility if i remember correctly there were places out the back as well there were little studio places out the back where uh various people were working and that was kind of they had a really good buzz about it so yeah i always think it's a shame when you know, really good live rooms disappear. I think that's the kind of key thing now. You know, everybody's got their own gear in their house and stuff and can work like that. But really good live rooms are obviously really good. Yeah, I mean, uh, this this looks like a very special place. In fact, uh, he says, uh, if I just go back to here, uh, Dave Stewart said, uh, you know, they bought in 1984. He said, uh, so many memories for me, not just recording sessions. But they used to hold sort of e uh, soirees with poets, philosophers, and musicians. Um, Dylan would turn up with his band and hold court, etc. In fact, I remember there was a story because we did some uh, remixes for Dave Smith and uh, Annie Lennox of Candy Delpha. Uh, God, what was the? Track oh yeah, called? God, I Lily was that. here. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that was all done at the church, I believe. And uh, I just remember there was a story where uh, Dave, um, Bob Dylan went to try and find the church. You know, it was his first time. And he he knocked on some lady's door. who was a couple of doors down in, in, in pissing rain and said, uh, oh, you know, I can't do a Bob Dylan voice. I'm not going to. But, you know, knocked on some random person's door and said, is Dave there? And it was uh, obviously the wrong door because it was a residential street. Just um, but that, It I had suppose, heaven written on it, didn't it? Did it? I, I think the thing is about all of this. The thing about all of these stuff. Oh, God. Oh, Sorry, I just got that. <laughs> I was trying to blot it out of my mind. <laughs> I don't know why I bother. Sometimes I shouldn't. I don't know. I, it just seems very sad um, that 
these places are being lost. I mean, but you know, there's just no way that uh, you can compete. Certainly in London, you couldn't make as much money out of a commercial facility as you could with, uh, you know, with what flat flat yeah basically <laughs> no, by the wasn't there all that talk that even abbey road was going to be converted into flats at one point wasn't there uh yeah there was there was a load of grief over that but that didn't happen no. it is a shame it is a real shame i mean there are some really good live facilities in london so i guess you know you've kind of always got to be I get the feeling sometimes is that if you get a high-profile individual with a lot of money, say, for example, David Gray, it might end up becoming a kind of personal studio and that there's no real push to market it or actually get clients in. You know, a lot of it ends up being word of mouth. I mean, there's an awful lot of studios that I hadn't heard of that all of a sudden somebody will go, oh, I was in this amazing place the other day just off Ladbroke Grove. Uh, and then ultimately, you know, it kind of... The staff get expensive to keep, and then the maintenance yeah. guy gets expensive to keep, and then the gear starts breaking down. I'm not saying that's the case in this instance, but and then it's like, well, okay, it's prime retail, isn't it? It's prime, um, you know, prime property in the, in London. Alan right. Terrace says Abbey Road has been converted into a plug-in. Uh, yeah, Abbey Road is five thousand dollars a day, five thousand quid a day. Jesus, that's for, must be for the main. The main. No. I, I would imagine you'd have to be doing a fairly massive orchestral score and use um, the main. You know, I think air might be that for some of the stuff, but I wouldn't have thought so. Um, I don't know. It, it does seem. What is it that can you know? How, what is it that can maintain that? I mean, it seems like all the studios that I know about now, they don't. They no longer really. They've they've converted all of their little rooms into little rooms for producers to work in that com- that will then share. So they have a sort of almost the clients, the clients are the people that work like Psalms like that. So they presumably can use the big live rooms every once in a while. But most of the time, you know, so you've got the prodigy there, you've got various other people there, who just kind of little production teams in various rooms with loads of MIDI gear and and some banging monitors. And it just seems that yeah, it, gets, really- it gets more cool than that though, because most of those studios, I mean, I. Sphere, for instance, has the whole building is wired up with Cat5. So if I was to go in the main room or any of the big recording rooms, I can just wire my rig into it. And then I can can, uh, remote control my computer over the network so I can run my own rig in their big studio. And I can basically plug the whole thing in and record drums in their big room on my rig. So rather right. than having to drag your rig into the studio all the time and all that kind of palaver of trying to get your plugins to work on someone else's system, your system's just there. That's just why take it people in. do it. Um, and and that and um, the church was like that, wasn't it? I, I mean, don't know. I'd never been there. I, I, I went mean... there with Cameron McVeigh. I seem to remember, but it was it must have been before David Gray bought it. Mm. And there were various different production rooms in there, and loads of big empty spaces in there when I went there as well. Right. Which I, I presume were the kind of recording rooms, but it was almost like the church part of it was almost intact. You know, the big kind of big rooms upstairs with high ceilings and mahogany kind of arches and and hardwood floors, which if you stuck a drum kit in there and close mic to it would probably sound amazing. And if you put room mics up and stuff. Yeah, I imagine there's some great sound. Mark, your video seems to have frozen. I don't know if that's... Um, Is it? Yeah, you, you, you're uh, looking askance, but that's all right. If you can get it back, that would be fantastic. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what... I mean, the sense of occasion, I suppose, is gone. I mean, I remember going to studios felt like there was... It focuses the mind to a degree, um, which you can't. And, and some artists work that way, don't they? They just turn up, and the, the moment makes them kind of go right. I've got you know, like Elton, you know, big artists like Elton John or those kind of folks will just do the uh, uh, just turn up and make it. Just use the facility in, in and out. But they're the sort of people that don't spend <laughs> three years making a record, I suppose. Um, there is something yeah. about a studio, isn't there? I mean, the whole vibe of being in a studio is definitely an important thing, really. I mean, it is. It's. I mean, I know. I mean, I used to try and record vocals with Simon Le Bon in all sorts of different places with a laptop and, like, in hotel rooms and at Warren's house and, kind of, you know, all over the place. And oh, and and in rehearsals as well. We used to try and record vocals in rehearsals or uh, sound checks as well. And it never really worked, but you put him in a kind of a 
an enclosed space, a dark room with a music stand with lyrics on it and a very expensive microphone. And he seemed to perform much better. It's a shame Rich isn't still here, actually, because Rich also recorded him. And would sort of, you know, there's something about the psychology of him going into a vocal booth to do his vocal. It's almost like all the focus is on the singer when he's in the vocal booth. Yeah, I suppose so. That's, somehow I mean, that gives him support to do a really good performance. Well, that may, I, that may be true for some people. I've equally had the same experience where you go into a studio with a band and players who can really kick it live, you know, and you just think, oh, I just want to capture that, I just go completely to pieces when they're, when they're under that sort of level of scrutiny. Mm. And that's that's the I mean that's the that, that always used to be the real art, wasn't it? And that's why you get kind of session guys who can just come in and just perform and feel totally comfortable in those sort of scenarios. But um, but you know that so it, it's a bit swings around about. But you can't. I mean, like here we could record stuff, I suppose, as long as it's not um, too loud and doesn't kind of affect other people, and the roller door doesn't go up from downstairs. <laughs> where the I don't know. I, I can't, that's kind of where you need the big spaces, I think, because you know if you've got a band that feed off each other live. There was a band I was in a million years ago, and we were a very, very good live band, string section, brass section, and whatnot. And the management made the mistake of when it got signed, of taking the band into a small studio to try and save money, and everybody was recording their parts one at a time. Yeah. And it just blew the vibe. We went from a great live band to a terminally dull recording band. I suppose that no but that's that's true that's where you need it but I mean we've now become you know now we can do it all ourselves we eff- effectively you'll just come in can you come in the brass section will come in and do their bit and then this will do that and it just and yes you can construct it but it's not the same thing and but getting a space where a large band can re- record in one go and you know what have you maybe but maybe that's the live has been you know that the whole live thing has changed that. I mean, like this Behringer desk we've got and the, the uh, avid venues and all of those things, you could just record all of that stuff live now and then take it away and, and build on it from there and use the performance. You know, so that's probably eaten into it as well because now, I mean, even, you know, it's like, like I say, this Behringer desk that I've just reviewed, which I think is absolutely brilliant, pretty, you know, with a laptop attached to it, I could just record 32 tracks. Yeah, yeah. And then flip yeah. the routing so yeah. that I could play it back in the next venue to see what it sounds like. But that's beside. So therefore, I've got the be- the basis of an album. You know, if the if the if if the sound of the venue is any good, then you're you're on it, really, aren't you? And that, I suppose that's what's replaced it. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, to a large extent. I mean, uh, uh, that does make perfect sense. And you know what? With uh, in-ear monitoring and stuff, that also makes the whole recording experience for for a recording engineer a whole load easier because there's a lot less. Uh, sound crashing around on the stage, isn't there? And if yeah. they can vibe off each other and still get that same kind of feel going and uh, without quite so much going on on the stage. I mean, the, the Olympics were interesting, weren't they? Because they all seem to be on in-ears. Seems to be, uh, you know, that, that, that seems to have taken over from wedges completely now. I think it? they must have had to, just purely because of the amount of noise that would have been going around in that place. You'd need, you'd need the isolation to a degree. The monitors would have to be so loud to kind of do anything, you know, against the, the racket of that place. Because it's designed, the stadium was designed to amplify the noise. In fact, you know, lots of arti- lots of uh, people were saying they just weren't prepared for the level of noise when they were running around the track, you know, like Mo Farah and various other people. That, you know, oh, really? It was designed very much to support the, uh, the native talent, you know, and intimidate everybody else. <laughs> and I think it worked <laughs> along those lines. But again, you know, from a live sound point of view, that was probably a bit of a nightmare. But uh, I'd love, I would really love to find out a bit more about the whole thing. Uh, Audio Nerd in the chat room has just brought out, this was going to be a topic actually at some point. Uh, Sibelius uh, UK, the, t- the development team is in dire straits because um, of the Avid cuts and what have you. And there's a petition to Avid on SibeliusUsers.org to convince them to sell Sibelius. Uh, not uh, not outsource all of the uh, support um, to Ukraine. Um, so, so that's just something that I, if you if you kind of feel strongly about that, it's a very old and long lived piece of software which has been around for a very long time. Sibeliususers.org. Get over there and register your um, your your voice to that argument. I don't know whether it'll have any difference, but um, it might at least raise awareness to somebody who might want to buy it and that, stop that from happening. Who knows? Um, yes, but so, so thanks, Audio Nerd, um, for that. I'm just going to scroll down here. 
I'm guessing we're kind of um, nearing the end. I'm sort of feeling the taste of a holiday coming, um, which is coming quite soon. And unfortunately, all my... Um, Oh my! This is not going to be live on YouTube this time, uh, which is a shame because the YouTube audience has been building. Actually, I've come up with the way of just basically ever since I used the title "A Big Pile of Hooey," and the last one was Google Peep Show. I've been getting a lot more viewers, so I, maybe I should call this next one "Tits Out for the Lads" or something. You know, just something that will just basically make everybody just go, "Oh, what's that?" Did you not see the uh, the link I put in the chat room to that nice ClickBank project? Sorry, ClickBank project. God, I can't speak. What's happened to my brain? I know, it's gone with your the video, perhaps. I put in the chat room to the ClickBank product for how to increase your penis size. Thank you for that. That might actually <laughs> be of some use that to me. That should get you like, quite a number of hits. It might. It I might also gonna... affect um, <laughs> a number of other things that would not be so uh, so handy. But Oh, you're back now. Uh, I am, yeah. I'm, a, I'm an affiliate of that. I wrote that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I get the feeling this is deteriorating rapidly into uh, the, the lowest common denominator. Uh, I'm, I'm trying not to. T- I'm trying to kind of use that the, some of it, but not all of it. But anyway, it won't be on YouTube this week because I haven't got. Unless um, actually, somebody did say that they were recording it locally. Um, so they might be able to send me that. That'd be fantastic if that's possible. Send me a link to it, then I could um, I could put it up online. But so thanks very much. I I, I I'm afraid. I th- was it audio nerd? I've got to talk about a synthesizer. Profit ten. Actually, hey, I go. can't. Right here, profit ten. Yeah, go on, Dave. Hear that? Was that, that was that was that um, that line actually recorded played on a profit ten? Yeah. Well, no, it was a profit five. Uh, Do you remember that? You remember that track? Yeah. Uh, I'm lucky. You can walk under ladders. Joan Armour trading. There you go. And I believe that was Thomas Dolby. Ah, oh, I think you're right. Yeah. It would have to be, wouldn't it? Yeah. There you go. Synth- the tune. I still, I still would like to have a have a little interview with Thomas at some point in the future. I really would, but um, I, uh, I, I, all my, all my advances have been spurned. <laughs> I know how to get hold of his um, tech guy. I oh, really? Chat with him for you if you want. Yeah, yeah, maybe that would be interesting. I would like to because uh, I, I still, uh, yeah. Anyway, I won't go on about it, but perhaps for another time. Anyway, that's the end of the show, um, or at least I'm saying it's the end of the show because it sort of is. Um, no show next week. Uh, oh, I, actually, in fact, while I'm away, you must remember that the isotope competition is going to be over. I'm going to play a little bit more of this. Uh, tell me if this is too loud for you folks. Um, these are some more. We've had loads and loads of entries in the isotope competition. Uh, I, did a, I did a little video, actually, uh, um, to promote it. And... You can win stuff, like loads of stuff. There's two grand, $2,000 worth of Isotope software as the top prize. A thousand bucks in five categories. So that's, what's that? That's $7,000 worth of prizes plus a Sonic State t-shirt. I mean, Jesus, forget the money. That's what you really want to be thinking about. They're collector item. Rare as Dodo's eggs, those things. Um, But anyway, yeah, all you have to do is go to sonicstate.com forward slash iris and you can... um, enter the competition there you just download a 10-day fully working demo of iris uh, these are some of the entries that we've had this is the uh very alien group from adam guth um and you make a sound out of in a, either ambient pad melodic uh, you, there's some sonic talk samples in there you can use there in fact we haven't got all that many entries in the sonic talk category so it might be a good one to go into uh, and then upload a demo, which is just sort of demonstrating the sound, together with a little int- uh, description of what the sound is and how you made it. And upload it via drop uh, by SoundCloud. You don't have to have an account; it'll just automatically create one. So you could just use that as to submit. You don't no pressure to use it. And then basically, um, the entries uh, we co- we chose a closed competition twentieth of twentieth uh, Oct- uh, of August at midnight GMT. Uh, I'm going to be on holiday, and I'll be back the, a day or so after that. Then we'll start wading through and, uh, and look for the uh, the winners. So, uh, I not- yes, Mark. I was going to say I noticed that the rules are quite specific, and that some people have entered things and not followed the rules. 
and some of those things are things that I might pick uh, when it comes to judging. So I'm pretty sure that I followed. I, I've been following up every time somebody enters something and doesn't tag it properly or doesn't describe right, it. If they tagged, if they've tagged it now, then I, I will. I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure. I mean, I, I I usually, if it's not tagged properly, I don't make it uh, live, and I email them saying, "Look, you need to do this because it's there's a lot at stake here, and we don't want to end up in a situation whereby, uh, you know, you're disqualified just because that." Thirtieth of August, Sinner's music is when it ends, so that's um, week. Well, you've still got a couple of weeks, really. End of next week, sometime, isn't it? Um, so yeah, there's and there's a there's some there's been some really good stuff there actually, and uh, so you know just go to it. It's free, as I said in the video, um, and often do say. And oh, that's the listening for me in the chat room. It says have a spliff next time, Nick. Ask Mark if I'm sure. I'm not sure. As if that... I'd know anything about that. No, really. exactly. Mark wouldn't know anything <laughs> about that. He doesn't do that sort of thing. <laughs> um. Uh, own dad, a responsible one, and everything. Exactly, yeah. Um, what else was I going to say? Oh, yeah. So, no show next week. Uh, and oh, yeah. Did I say? Yeah, I did say that we got uh, the number two most discussed video on YouTube last Monday. Brilliant. <laughs> Which was? Which was uh, the competition for last comment wins or for the Scar- Focus Right uh, Scarlet? Okay. Yes. And uh, yeah very pleased with that so I've, po- I've, I've printed them out and put them on the wall anyway that doesn't really doesn't do much but so anyway I, the, you're still listening to the uh, iris competition entries if you want to enter that yourself go and make yourself a sound sonicstate.com forward slash iris download a copy of irish and uh, irish iris and uh, and um, make some great stuff anyway Thanks, guys. That was very, uh, very much fun. I'm sorry that the video isn't going to be there because um, of a hardware failure this end, but uh, that was Sonic Talk number 280. Um, we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Thanks very much, everybody. Did I say goodbye to, to you properly? No, I didn't. Dave Spears, G4 Software. Bye. Thanks Have for joining us. Day. And Mark Tinley, likebeing.com. Thank you for joining us, too. Cheerio. Thank you very much for having me. Cheers, folks. That's it. I'll fade us up and out with the uh, the rest of that.